There's never a dull moment when it comes to Minnesota sports, whether it's on the gridiron. For the end zone, it's Jefferson who's got the touchdown. On the court. Edwards thinking three and popping a three. On the ice. It's Caprice over the open net. Or on the diamond. Buxton hammers that to left field. Another Minnesota home run. Whether it's positive. I think this is a good enough roster to make the playoffs. Or negative. He's terrible. Awful. Don't get it. Don't understand it. Whether there's optimism. Hey, they might be able to even make it to a conference final. Or pessimism. Don't expect me to be super excited. I mean, I don't know. Does this really do much for anybody? There's always something to chat about. Shout out to Minnesota Sports Chat. Keep on being elite. If you're looking for fun, informative, discussion on all things Minnesota sports, you've come to the right place. This is Minnesota Sports Chat, and now, here's your host, Ross Brendel. You know, we're working on a new intro, and it dawned on me, it's going to be pretty sad when I can no longer use the uh, Tanner Morgan keep on being elite. Maybe we'll keep that in there. I, I don't know. We'll save that discussion for a different day. Welcome inside edition number 160 of the soon-to-be award-winning Minnesota Sports Chat. You know it by now. Award-winning, if only in my own mind. Brandon Warren from Access Twins and Locked On Twins makes his triumphant return to Minnesota Sports Chat in just moments. If you're watching on the recently launched uh, YouTube portion, you can see him already. Those of you podcasting, well, you'll have to wait mere moments just to hear him. A big thank you for continuing to help me grow Minnesota Sports Chat by listening and telling your family and friends each month is bigger and better, and it's because of you. Please make sure you rate, review, and download each episode. And if you are listening via that Score North Taxi Squad feed, I encourage you to subscribe to Minnesota Sports Chat wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Brandon Warren has covered the Minnesota Twins for years now. As mentioned, you can find his work with Access Twins and Locked On. And make sure for all of that information, good way to start is to find him on the Twitter machine at Brandon underscore Warren, W-A-R-N-E, a returning guest to Minnesota Sports Chat. Good to see you. Good to have you back, Brandon. Always good to be in your presence. How are we doing? <laughs> I was waiting for you to open with a Tom Brenneman. It's good to be back here. Deep drive <laughs> to left field. But uh, I was actually probably going to go with a, a wrestling promo. Like, it's <laughs> always great to be back. And then you just say the city. Yeah. And you get that cheap pop. Really get the fans to go and get them riled up so that they're hanging on your every word for the rest of your promo. So would you have would you have went heel though and said it's great to be back on and then named a different podcast? <laughs> yeah, that might have actually been the the play. Uh, I think sometimes too um fake heat actually really works. So if you can get people thinking you hate somebody or really want to mess with them, that gets people going. So who knows? Maybe that'll be our, our next angle that you and I can work on the road to WrestleMania. Well, and I know typically on our podcast, when you've joined, you can cut the tension with a knife. So I, yep. I, I think most people are well aware of that at this point. No, of course, I, I kid. Okay, uh, primarily all Minnesota Twins talk today. We're recording this midweek on Wednesday. The Twins will open their season on Thursday. Obviously, we're not going to talk about individual games. That is Kind of the beauty of baseball. You can do that, but you also don't have to. We'll talk big picture. Kind of a season preview. Biggest 2023 storyline, Brandon. I'm going to give you some. You can pick from one of those or give me a different one, okay? Is it Carlos Correa back in Minnesota? 
Byron Buxton's health, Pablo Lopez, or the length the starting pitchers will go into games? Well, before you listed those, my brain immediately went to Byron Buxton in two facets. Will he stay healthy and will being a DH help him do that? And if if that happens, how long will that experiment last? And I just think – I, I love how this team is built in terms of depth, but you need your best guys to drive you when the time comes. It's like the Wolves had moments where they were solid without Cat. They've had moment, moments where Gobert has disappeared and been okay. Uh, Anthony Edwards can you know miss a few games here or there. But honestly, you need your guys. And so for the Twins to get wherever they're going this year, they need Byron Buxton on the field. And if DHing him at least to start the season is the first step on that path, that's what's going to matter. So I keep telling people, yeah, it's it's not optimal that he's not going to be in the field because he's such a good defensive center fielder. But some Byron Buxton is still better than none. I feel like the Twins this offseason, I don't want to say hedging their bets, but I think they did a really nice job protecting themselves, assuming the protection stays healthy. And what I mean is getting Michael A. Taylor, a gold glove center fielder to step in for a gold glove center fielder. By the way, he's also not completely incompetent with the bat either. Then you go and get a guy like Kyle Farmer and they made some other moves as well to supplement the middle of the infield where they've been vulnerable to injuries, at least in recent memory, more on the second base side. But I really like what they did there. And you mentioned it talking about the team's depth. I think from starting pitching, bullpen maybe not as much, but I still expect it to be pretty good. And then the lineup, this is probably the most depth this squad has had, at least under the Derek Falvey and Thad Levine regime, if not even further back. Is that fair to say? Yeah, you might have to go back to 2010 when the Twins are opening target field and everybody pretty much liked their chances to win the division that first year and boy where we were so young then we had no idea what was out in front of us but I think the the entire offseason hinges on the fact that they landed Carlos Correa in the most inexplicable game of Plinko we've seen <laughs> in uh, in Minnesota sports history but if you take that this offseason and you subtract Carlos Correa you really scratch your head and it again I know that probably seems weird to say that but it took a very circuitous path to get him here. So you can't say that all these moves were made because of Carlos Correa. A lot of these moves had to be in the motion without knowing if they were going to have Correa. So if Kyle Farmer is your starting shortstop, this offseason looks a whole lot different. But they landed him, they got him, and the ability to have Michael Taylor in center field, yeah, like you said, not a complete zero at the bat, obviously much better against lefties than righties. But he was a pretty well-regarded prospect back in his Nationals days. So he's not just some throwaway player that the Twins are putting out there hoping to kind of paper over a Buxton absence. And I think, too, to your point, adding that depth in the infield keeps you from having someone like Jermaine Palacios playing all the time. And it's nothing against Palacios specifically, but having guys who've been there before, I think there's value in that. It's kind of like... If you're in the ninth inning and you've got Emilio Pagan and you've got Hovani Moran, if if Pagan's going well, you throw him out there because he has experience in that role. But if you have to throw the kid out there, sometimes it's like they just, you know, they completely lose it. So having guys like Farmer, Solano, and even Willie Castro, who has a lot of big league experience and is going to make the team 
is um, is going to be a big deal. But taking this depth and using it as um, you know, picking up guys with big league experience who've been in tight situations. I mean, um, Farmer was a starting shortstop, so he's played plenty. I think that's valuable. It's it's not the old days of the Twins where three of the four guys on the bench are all 23 years old and have never done it before. It's uh, it's guys who've been around the block a time or two. Yeah, and Brandon, honestly, that's what I'm really excited about. There's been years in the past where the Twins have been in the mix, and it's been hard to pinpoint. This sounds kind of preposterous because they haven't won a playoff game in almost 20 years, but it's been hard to pinpoint, yes, they should go trade for that A-level player. They should go get that starting pitcher. But the one thing I've always asked for is exactly what you kind of just alluded to. If you're not going to make a big splash for a variety of reasons, can you go out and maybe find like a 32-year-old bat that I can trust to take a big at-bat late in a game in September or even a playoff game? And I I feel like they've done that. And to me, I don't want that part to go unnoticed. Now, you'd like to see it come to fruition for these guys to be taking at-bats that mattered late into the season. But if it does happen, I feel really confident in this team, barring injury. That's the question mark for everybody this time of year. Yeah, I feel like the player that came to mind when you said a 32-year-old bat, like a Michael Kadire type who just comes in, um, doesn't doesn't shake the shake the boat or rock the boat in terms of clubhouse and all that, but um, just somebody who can play. You know, I think at the end of the year, every single team that plays deep into the playoffs looks at their roster and they say, there's this guy we're glad we have. Who knows how we got him? So, like, um, Brandon Drury was that guy last year for the Reds. I mean, he got traded, but he was a non-roster guy, ends up signing a a pretty big free agent deal with the Angels. At the end of the year, you're always going to look at that guy and be like, where the heck did this guy come from? That, to me, this year could be Donovan Solano if he's playing a bunch of first base. Um, They they tried to recreate Luis Arise in the aggregate by bringing in a cheap older version who makes a ton of contact, isn't much of a defender. Um, I think at the end of the year, if Donovan Solano picks up a big hit against Emmanuel Classe to walk off the guardians and, you know, push them a little further ahead in the division, we're all going to be like, where the heck did this guy come from? But we're glad we have him. It's like the end of, um, is it, it's Billy Madison when he's like, man, I'm glad I called that. Yes. Guy. Yeah. That's what I'm sensing good teams do at the end of the year when someone comes through for them that you're just like, I never saw that coming. On the Guardians, who you mentioned a little bit there with Class A. So here's my theory on the Guardians. I'm not willing to say that they won't repeat what they did last year. I I think there's two two playoff teams that will come out of this division. Order to be determined. I think it's probably the Guardians and the Twins. My gut says the Twins are going to win the division, and here, here's why. The long setup. I'm not saying the Indian, or excuse me, I knew I would do that. The Guardians. <laughs> the Guardians won't repeat what they did last year. I just think it's a huge stretch to assume that they will. And you have to look no further than the Minnesota Twins, who had a really nice season, well, a couple nice seasons, and we just expected it all to continue And then guys regressed or came back to the mean a little bit. And I I think the league will figure out some of these guardians a little bit, which should have them come back to the pack. And oh, by the way, Brandon, for all that we've talked about, the twins for all intents and purposes are really the only team that I think got better in the offseason. Everybody else kind of stayed the same. Now, the twins needed to get better. 
But I don't really think anybody else in the division got dramatically better where you think they're head and shoulders better than the Minnesota Twins. Right. I mean, the Guardians added Josh Bell, who's solid, and the White Sox subtracted Tony La Russa, which is a addition by subtraction. And yeah, classic. A lot of people. Classic right? addition by subtraction. Right. But I, I look at this Cleveland team, too, and I'm reminded of the 2015 Twins, the 2017 Twins, and then the years between them and the years after them. Development is not linear. And every time I hear someone say player X or team Y is young and only going to get better, I shudder, I shiver, I want to cry because that's not how it works. That's not how it works at all. And you look at the careers and paths of these teams, everybody thought Chicago was only getting it better. They became a disaster. The Twins had no reason to be um, you know, we, we were flying high after the Bomba season in 2019 and 2020. You know, we were all upset it was a short season, but we got some baseball. There was no reason to think 2021 would be bad. They followed up with another rough 2022. Development is not linear, and it's a difficult path to the top, and it's even harder to stay at the top. Now, will we expect the Twins to just automatically take over the top spot in the division? No, but when I look at rosters, I like the Twins best of the top three. Uh, One of those guys, when you talk about development not being linear, I think the perfect example of that is Max Kepler, who I I wouldn't say has fallen on hard times, but he has been less effective than I think Twins fans want him to be, and the organization wouldn't flat out say it, but definitely less effective than they would hope that he would be. We have a bigger, more bulkier, almost tight end looking uh, Max Kepler putting on a Twins jersey this year. What do you expect from Max Kepler, and are there other players kind of in his realm that maybe have hit a bit of a plateau that you might expect to see something from this year or that you're hoping to see something from? Well, when you think of Kepler, I mean, we also think of the guys that have been nipping at his heels for all this time. And Alex Kirilov, again, development is not linear. He comes up and debuts in the playoffs and then, battles injuries. Trevor Larnett comes up, has a good stretch last year, gets hurt. This is a year where he has to feel a lot of pressure at Kepler, that is. And whatever that means is whatever that means. The shift is for most intents and purposes gone. And, you know, we all know he's going to play good defense. We all know he's going to hit um, probably in the the mid 230s, 240s. It's not going to be uh, it's not going to be Joey Votto bad. It's not going to be Luis Arise good. It's going to be kind of somewhere in that middle. So is it a bunch of doubles? Is there some homers mixed in there? There's a pretty big amount of variance in there for a guy who's, uh, I think he's in his age 30 season. So th- there's a lot to be gained or lost here based on where he's at in his contract. And so I'm expecting that we see a different Max Kepler. And I, I said this for a lot of things, you know, different trainer in Paparesta, different role for Buxton as a DH different everything that is different to me comes back to the idea that insanity is the the definition is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting something different well maybe that new trainer doesn't help Buxton maybe DHing doesn't help him but at least you tried to do something to change up the status quo because the status quo wasn't working now will that apply to Max Kepler there's no way of knowing until they start playing games but at least he feels pressure for his spot with not only Joey Gallo, Michael Taylor, Byron Buxton, Trevor Kirilov, Trevor Larnick, Alex Kirilov. they got a couple other guys coming up to the system. He's going to have to put up or shut up. If he can't play, they'll slide him out of there. As far as guys coming along, Larnick is the guy, though, that I'm really keeping an eye on because he just he's such a good 
bat to ball guy for for the guy that kind of guy that has that much gap to gap power. He was surprisingly good defensively last year. I don't know how much of that we can rely upon, but I'm I'm very eager to see with this opportunity he gets coming out of the shoot as I suspect he'll be starting in left field what he does with it because you know he was a first round pick for a reason he can absolutely crush the ball he's a very good all-around player and it's time to show that um in a in a regular role on a regular basis uh back to Buxton since he's such a huge Minnesota Twins uh talking point and to a degree lightning rod maybe the biggest since uh Joe Maurer in the back half of his career in your opinion how much of Buxton's value, if any, is diminished by primarily being a DH? Or, in your opinion, is it not so diminished? Because you can make the argument that even if he is primarily a DH, if he gives you 100-plus games, his contract is still a pretty good contract that would leave you happy with perhaps that amount of production. Yeah, I mean, if statistically you drop the defensive component, but you add games, at some point it levels out. Now, to what extent? Because in individual season, defensive value can vary so much. It's just kind of really hard to quantify, and we haven't gotten very good at that. But, uh, yeah, I think it's probably like a 75-25 thing where I think if you look at Byron Buxton, the player, and it's 100 games as a dual threat versus just offense – I think you get about 75% of the value stability-wise. Um, I could go anywhere from 60 to 80 on that. I, I kind of err on the side of a little bit lower, but his defense is valuable. And the other thing, too, that I don't think we know much about is how much he'll run because he's been a very efficient uh, stolen base type guy in his career. But if he's hitting third, I mean, how many third hitters – steal a lot of bases. Mike Trout's dialed back his stolen bases. We've seen a lot of guys who they go from kind of that early career speed guy to more of a power guy, more of a, you know, doubles guy, more of a got to keep this guy healthy kind of guy. Um, So there's a lot of questions. Like you said, lightning rod immediately came to mind when you were talking. And then when you said it, I had like that light bulb moment of my own, but yeah, I think 75, 25 is kind of my unwritten rule as far as uh, you know, the value Buxton will give you, what you take away glove wise. So you have to make up the difference in games played. It's worth a shot again too, though. What's, what's going to be difficult is they're going to have a lot of guys that they would be like, Oh yeah, it's a shame. This guy can't DH today because Buxton is whether it's Kirilov working his way back, Larnick not being maybe as good a defender as he was last year. Um, you know, a few guys moving and mixing and matching and that sort of thing. But in general, I think it's um, it's probably still going to be a good thing if it gets him into 100-plus games. Last year, the Twins really struggled to throw out runners attempting to steal bases, and you were talking about how much will Buxton run this year. Well, that made me think, well, the bases are, are bigger. Allegedly, we're going to see teams run more, and I think we will. Uh, can you talk about Christian Vasquez? How much of a defensive upgrade is he, and are the Twins going to be better at cutting down runners. And I know that's not always on the catcher. A lot of that's on the pitcher, how quick they get to home plate. But uh, last year on both sides, Brandon, cutting down runners, at least from a catching, pitching and catching standpoint, and the Twins physically running the bases last year were an abomination. I think both of those things need to be better if this is going to be a team that you're, at least you think is a serious contender. On the defensive portion, can we project that they'll be better at least in that category of hopefully cutting down some runners running freely on the bases? 
Yeah, I don't think it's any surprise that if you wanted the most balanced catcher available in the offseason, Vasquez was the guy. And to get him on the deal they did, when I look at what some of the lesser-known guys got in deals later on in the offseason, I think the Twins did well. Defensively, Vasquez has been just consistently – basically, Fangraphs does defensive runs. He's over 100 defensive runs for his career. They don't like his bat as much. Um, but he also started off his career really, really poorly offensively. So uh, honestly, I think as much as it's cutting down the running explicitly, you can do it implicitly too with how you call a game, how you set things up. Um, If you put your pitchers in positions to succeed where they don't put those guys on in the first place, uh, there's just a lot of aspects that a catcher contributes to a game that are so hard for us, even as, you know, I wouldn't say casual fans, but people who are not, um, you know, familiar with the intimate workings of yeah. every single thing a kit- catcher does on a given pitch. Correct. Given we don't. Given, we don't play right. the game every day. Yeah, we. Yeah, we don't play. But uh, you know, he's going to be decent enough offensively, and I think the value that he's going to bring. Um, you know, this is like bringing in Jason Castro a few years ago, where they're they're trying to revamp behind the plate in a way that's going to make things. Um, drastically different and i think too i saw this and uh, you can correct me if you think it's different every pretty much everyone the twins brought in in free agency this offseason to me seems like the best possible version of a player the twins already have so if you have ryan jeffers you're thinking his peak what you want him to become is christian vasquez if you want royce lewis to become somebody it's carlos correa if you want hilberto celestino to become somebody it's michael a taylor if you want matt walner to become somebody it's probably joey gallo so i think the the list goes on and on and on where it's maybe not a mentorship thing but it's a wow that's how that guy takes care of his business and that's why he's that kind of player and i see myself in him i can become that kind of player too That is an excellent point, something I never even thought of in my head, and I think you probably saw me shaking my head as you were saying that about each each player. Yeah, you could actually see, too, that, yeah, maybe it wasn't truly a – I don't know. What is it? What's what's the NFL comparison? Insert bridge quarterback while the other guy sits behind him and holds the clipboard, or I guess these days Surface tablet. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's the Tyrod Taylor or the uh, who's the guy that was with the Browns last year. Oh, Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett, yeah. Yeah, those guys, like, they just get such a bad rap. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, another one, where it's like they have so much value as guys who hang around in the league, will take whatever job and money they can get because good for them. But all you really want is that stability, and it's just not there. (laughs) Who is the biggest offseason move? And I know we've touched on a lot of names, but in your opinion, biggest offseason move not named Carlos Correa or Pablo Lopez when it relates to the Minnesota Twins, because I think we would all agree those are the two big ones. So I can't say Luis Arise. Um, no, <laughs> no. Uh, incoming player, not outgoing, yeah, okay. incoming. Yeah, because, I mean, that matters too. Um, <laughs> let's see. You're going to make me really think could it? Could it be Gallo if you can get the strikeout numbers down just a little bit? I just don't know if you can. I think it's going to come down to the contact that he makes falling in. I'm I'm going to go with. It's probably what so Farmer Solano. Michael, I, I'm I'm going to say it's it's probably Vasquez. But if we okay. want to go another route because we've already talked about him, Michael Taylor is going to do some things defensively that will make us not forget about Byron Buxton defensively, but be more cool with the idea 
that Byron Buxton is DHing and not Jake Cave is playing center field. <laughs> yeah, uh, God bless Jake Cave. I don't want to speak. I think Ill. he made the Phillies. I think he actually made the Did Phillies. He? Um, Good I for had him. It pulled up here. He was he was listed as their left fielder last time I checked, and yep, listed as. So they must have purchased his contract. Um, so probably about like eighth for the Phillies. Obviously, a team in transition with Hoskins going down and Bryce Harper dealing with some stuff here to start the season. But hey. God bless you, Jake Cave. Yeah, and you know, and good for Jake Cave. I don't want to speak ill will of him, but for the Twins trying to get where they're trying to go, it, it, there's just really not a roster spot for him. It was but, a clean break. Correct, but there is in Major League Baseball for a player like Jake Cave, and you mentioned it, a team that probably needs that bridge in the outfield and a team that might not have the same aspirations as the Minnesota Twins. Uh, somebody who has high aspirations or a company that has high aspirations My friends at Beans Coffee Company, they aspire to give you the best coffee you will ever drink. I'm actually drinking some right now. Where's my camera? Right there. That is the Profectus blend that I've been crushing since they dropped it right around Thanksgiving. Don't miss out on all things that Beans Coffee has for you. The easiest way to stay in the loop, subscribe to that newsletter. And you say, Ross, why do I want to subscribe to another newsletter? Well, this one's actually loaded with great offers, deals, promo codes. They'll tell you all about what's happening Just sign up at coffeebybeans.com. That's coffeebybeans.com. While you're there, sign up for a coffee subscription or browse by the bag. That's what I do. $35 or more, you get free shipping. You can set up that subscription as well in one to eight-week intervals. And no matter how you buy, use the promo code SPORTSCHAT when you check out, and you'll save a little bit of cash. Coffeebybeans.com is the website. Coffeebybeans.com. Use that promo code sports chat. Okay, a couple quick hitters for you, Brandon, on the way out the door. I think we've both talked around it, and I don't necessarily like putting people on the spot to make predictions, so that's not what I'm going to do. But <laughs> but I am going to ask you, what do you think the high-end ceiling for this team is? And, and I'll give you mine, and you can you can rebuttal that. You can add to it. You can tell me if I'm right. You can tell me if I'm wrong. I don't know if this is a World Series team. It probably isn't. I think the starting pitching is, if they're healthy, going to be pretty good. Maybe not great, but there's some pretty darn good starting pitchers in that rotation if they're healthy. I will say this, Brandon. Even if it's only in the wild card round, or maybe the Twins win the division, they get a five-game series. Here's what I'm willing to say, and I think I said this a few weeks ago. The playoff losing streak comes to an end this season. I don't even know if they'll win a series. I do think they'll find a way to finally win a playoff game because you look at Sonny Gray, Pablo Lopez, Joe Ryan, Mally, Maeda, even Ober, who's not even going to crack the starting rotation to start the year. How can a combination of those guys not at least find a way to win one game in a three-game series? I am confident this is the year. That's my bold twins prediction. Well, from your lips to God's ears, because boy, we need it. We need it. You're a, you're a man of a certain age like I am. And let's just say the last time that the twins won a playoff game, I was not even of legal drinking age and I was barely out of high school. So no, me I'm neither. tired of it. I'm sick of it. And um, it's time. It's time. It's Vader time. It's time to win. <laughs> Great. A playoff game. Great and wrestling reference. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm full of them. Um, it's it's 
hard to say because like you look at the Braves a couple years ago and they won that World Series and I believe Acuna was out. I believe they didn't have Soroka. They they weren't at a hundred percent. They made those two moves at the deadline to get our guy, your guy, Eddie Rosario and um, Jorge Soler, and just kind of took off. Where are the Twins going to be in July? What does that addition for them look like? Do they have a pitcher like Lopez, like Malley, like Ryan, who takes that next step? Because that is really the thing they miss. Now, I hate the idea that you have to have a number one starter to win in the postseason or multiple because, I mean, if, if your number one starter loses the first game, that pitcher is then nulled, re- rendered null the rest of the series. Like uh, Johan Santana against the A's when he lost, I think, to Barry Zito back in 2006. Um, th- th- that pitcher only affects one game. And if you're not lined up, you might not even pitch in the series because you had to win in the regular season to even get to the playoffs, so he started one of the last games. I don't buy into like 100% strict roster construction and all that stuff. If you've got good enough players to get you to the postseason, you have a chance. And I think the Twins have that chance. And then that's when you get creative. That's when guys, um, you know, like if you send Joe Ryan to the bullpen because he's your fifth starter and he blows up in relief, that's where it comes from. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but the playoffs are a totally different beast. You, You first win the regular season and then get to the playoffs. I think the Twins can do the first part. And if they can do the first part, I have little doubt they can figure out the second part. Well, and it'll be interesting, too. You mentioned where will the Twins be in July. We don't know, but rest assured, knowing this front office now, and I think we have a very good sample size, if the Twins are in the mix for a playoff spot, I don't know how big the addition's going to be, but more than likely they're adding a piece or two. That's just what well, they do. You know? Yeah. Blaine, if, if, you, if you're never going to add an A-plus piece, what's wrong with adding a bunch of B-pluses? I mean, it's kind of like my report cards in high school, and it got worse in college. But um, I have no problem. These are the quote-unquote, we can fix him, twins. You see that mantra online yeah. all over the yep. place? I can fix him. If you bring in a Tyler Malley, you're like, oh, hey, get him out of Cincinnati where all those home runs are being hit. He can be fixed. He becomes the next level. He's what Garrett Cole was to the Astros after leaving the Pirates. The Twins believe they can do that with Joey Gallo. They believe they can do that with anybody um, to their own peril in some instances and in some respects. But if you're always trying to get guys on the upswing, there's a payoff there if you're right. And I think that's what they're trying to do here. If you can trade a bunch of parts for Jorge Lopez, who you think is on the upswing, by all means, do it. Tyler Malley, by all means, do it. Um, the other issue is, yeah, if you trade all those guys for a, a guy at the top of his game and he drops off, that looks a lot worse. So the way they do it, I really don't have a problem with it. It just hasn't provided any yeah. tangible results yet. You need to hit on some of those. And I don't want to call a lot of these players true lottery tickets, but you need to start seeing return on the investment, which it's like, uh, a, it's like a daily three. You have a chance to win. That's better than the Powerball, but it still might not be great. Yeah. Well, that, there's another great reference. You're full of them today. Okay. Here's one for you in closing. I, I do this bit with Daniel house who joins this pod regularly talking Love him. gophers and Vikings, Daniel salt of the earth. Good dude. We, we play a game called house maintenance because his last name is house and I have him fixed stuff in all of sports. Okay. I'm going to give you the cheap podcast to open and we're going to do house maintenance, but we're reversing it. Okay. Major yeah. league baseball has attempted to quote unquote, fix their game and their pace of play issue. So we're going to play house maintenance. And all I'm going to ask you to do when I can 
hit this lovely sound effect for house maintenance. It's a very high-budget hammer hitting wood there. Reducing. I like watching the pitching last year. Yeah, <laughs> banging, banging your head up against the wall. Okay, the shift is gone. The pitch clock, the bigger bases. One, do you like these things? Two, in the grand scheme of things, project out a year or two. Is this going to help pick up the pace of play? Early indications are yes, it's going to. But I need to see it probably for a good half a season in Major League Baseball to see how much it's really enforced before I say that, at least on the pitch clock side. But yeah. do you like these moves, and do you think they're going to work? I, I was on the radio yesterday, and I said it was the wrong answer to the right problem, if that makes sense. And what it, what it means to me is you have to iron out kind of all the unintended consequences and kinks before you can really get a feel for it. It's like instant replay sliding into second base. If you come off for a split second and there's enough space for a sliver underneath there, you're out. Well, that was never part of the deal that we expected. With that, you know, we saw Joe Ryan the other day strike a guy out, but oh no, you know, someone had their heel on the outfield grass or whatever it was as far as a shift rule, had to redo it. And we're going to have those big moments at the end of the game, you know, where Emmanuel Classe is trying to strike out Joey Gallo and all of a sudden it's just zoom, 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 zoom. You're not having the moment breathe. As we get a feel for that, and there might be some ugly moments, there might be some annoying moments, um, these changes, if implemented correctly in the spirit of the game, I think can work. It's just a matter of, uh, I just, it's it's hard to think these things well enough through without putting them to real life in game situations. And the, the goal with spring training is to do that, but th there has to be stakes. Yeah. There has to be something. So I think it, I think they can be good but they're just not there right now. Well, and I think the spring training part helps, but guys aren't yep. playing full games. They're not playing every day. It's just yep. that that part is tough. And Brandon, you hit on the one thing that I think is really going to get lost in all of this is that you no longer have those moments of, I don't want to say intense stare downs, but just moments where the pitcher and the batter are trying to get a feel for what they want to do individually, but also trying to get maybe in the other guy's head a little bit. And I get the gamesmanship. Correct. And I get that that is what can slow the game down. But I will say when you see some of this, Brandon, uh, trust me, I, I'm I'm older by the day. We all are. But what I mean by <laughs> that is I go, I go to bed ridiculously early for a man in my mid-30s. So Same. if I'm having trouble going to games on weeknights, I can only think of other people who have far more important life responsibilities and job duties than I do. However, I will say when you watch some of these at-bats where the ball is literally coming back and getting dropped in the pitching machine and coming right back at the batter, I don't know how much I love that. I wonder if in the long term, the amount of time a pitcher and batter have to be ready, if they're going to go back on that a little bit, like maybe add a few seconds to the clock. I don't know. That's the only real issue that I have so far. I have no massive issue with the shift because the game is always going to correct itself. We've already seen that teams doing the extra outfielder thing, especially on Joey Gallo. The bases, I don't know if it helps teams try and speed 
speed the game up on the base paths a bit more. I'm all for it. It's more just that pitch clock thing that's throwing me off a bit. But in the long run, I think I'm okay with it. But like you, Brandon, I need to see it implemented throughout the season and how it plays out. And in all honesty, this happens in all sports. We saw it in the NFL, and we still kind of see it with the ridiculous weight of your body on the quarterback. At one point, they were throwing that flag literally every time. They kind of eased back on that. Are umpires going to be... Very stringent on that rule in April, but maybe by the time we get to July or August, they've pulled back on it a bit. I don't know. I think we need to see it. Well, and if you're not going to games, I think we can all agree that sitting on your couch with the door or window open shirtless with the Jack's pizza in the oven is the way to go. (laughs) So um, if I know my audience, I know my audience. Uh, Very well played. Thank you for that. Right. Um, A curiosity that I have with this, too, is. You know, we've seen pitchers basically become max effort machines. And so that time between pitches is also recovery. And so what does the human body say if you take 28 seconds or 22 seconds compared to 12 to 18 seconds between 97 mile per hour fastballs? Are your your elbow ligaments and your rotator cuff as forgiving in that short amount of time? And, you know, you think, oh, it's only a couple seconds. Well, in that small of a sample size, that's a lot of percent. Like it's 30%, 40% less recovery time. I assure you that's a big deal. So uh, I'm curious to see how that changes things too, because if guys start blowing out, that's going to be a massive issue. That is Brandon Warren. All those piping hot takes and more are available with Access Twins and Locked On. Uh, Brandon, why don't you tell everybody in closing a little bit about those ventures where they can find more about yourself and anything Twins related that you have for the masses? Well, I might have to hit up your expertise because my videos on YouTube for Locked On are so glitchy, but I'm using the same setup you are. So who knows what I'm doing wrong, but you can find Locked On Twins on any podcast provider you like you can find it on youtube and then accesstwins.substack.com which is where i do all my writing i also post audio hits that i do like this uh, video hits such as this as well and the podcast too so if if nothing else i'm a ubiquitous presence on twitter at brandon underscore w-a-r-n-e if you can tolerate my nonsense ubiquitous is also a great word so thanks for thanks for dropping that in closing uh brandon ton of fun we'll do this again during the season i'm looking forward to having baseball back it it literally is america's favorite pastime for a reason it's just it's it's comfort food it's there for you for basically eight months of the year and i'm I'm glad to have it back so thank you for lending some of your time and i keep up the great work on all that you do with twins coverage thank you be good. Brandon underscore Warren on the Twitter machine, W-A-R-N-E. Wow, that actually does it for edition number 160. Hard to believe we've done 160 of these already. My thanks to Brandon Warren. Next week, I'm going to go deep into Gopher Hockey and the hopefully soon-to-be national champion Gopher Hockey teams. I'll keep you waiting with bated breath for who will be joining me next week on the next edition of Minnesota Sports Chat. Until then, thank you for listening. Please rate and review kindly, and please tell your family and friends.